thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Amen. I'm thankful for the blessings of the Lord in our life. Amen. And I think it's the appropriate response of the church to just give it back to him. Amen. He blesses us with blessings, and so we're just going to bless him back with our worship. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful that you're here. Please keep my great aunt Yvonne in your prayers. This would be my dad's aunt. This is my grandmother Smith's sister. If you can please keep that family or our family in your prayers. And Yvonne was taken off of life support this morning. And she is lingering. She's still with us. Amen. So just, uh, just pray for our family. This is, <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is always tough. We've all been here. So if you can just keep, just, keep, just keep the family in your prayers. Amen. I'm thankful for the family of God. Amen. It's the family of God that gets us through hard times. Amen. God gets it through us, but he gets it through using his children. Amen. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you. That's why, that's why the church is important. Amen. That's why the body of Christ is important. That's why all throughout the New Testament you can read about the body. While we are many members, we have different roles, we have different responsibilities. God has gifted us and uses us in different areas, but no matter how we are gifted and how he uses us, we come together and we complete each other and we make each other strong in our moments of weakness. Amen. I want to talk to you this Wednesday night, so tonight and next week, a little mini-series series, I'm serious about it too, I mean, a, a little mini-series on just, on just holiness, practical holiness, practical holiness, amen. So tonight is part one, and I'm thankful for what God is doing in our life. A lot of people think holiness is how we dress, and how we dress is a reflection of our holiness, but our dress is not holiness. What we do is not holiness, uh, but holiness, rather, is how we choose uh, to live our life in response to God's Spirit living inside of us. Amen. And so I want to talk about holiness. I want to be holy. Can I get an amen from somebody? Holiness is not a bad word. Holiness is a good word. Amen. And we ought to get excited because we have the Spirit of God living in us, which causes us to live a holy life. Isn't it crazy that we aren't saved by our works, but on Judgment Day, we will be judged according to our works. Amen. That means we can't buy our way into heaven, but we can sure spend our way out. We can sure live our way out. Amen. And I want to live my life in a way, I want to live my life in a way that when I get there, I can hear, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Can anybody testify of that with me tonight? Amen. I want to hear well done. Amen. Out of everything else, I want to be a great father. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great minister. I want to be a great a lot of things. But if I do that all and lose my soul, what, what have I done with my life? What is a profit of man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Our soul is important, church family. 
Our soul is important. For long after the flesh is gone, long after this world is gone, the spirit and the soul will live on. Amen. And I want to make sure that I'm investing and I'm living my life in a way that when this body is laid to rest, when this body of mine is laid to rest, that my spirit will live on forever and I'll be able to dance on streets of gold and I'll be able to worship the Lord and I'll be in a place where there's no more sorrow and there's no more crying and there's no more mourning and there's no more confusion and there's no more fear and there's no more chaos. I mean, I think uh, I, I think right now in Houston, Texas, if you have kids in school, we understand what chaos and fear is, I mean, because of the current events that have just taken place not very far from us. But I'm thankful that I'm going to a city where the Lamb is the light. Come on, I'm thankful for a new Jerusalem, amen. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for that city. But in order for us to see that city, we must live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord, amen. And so, and so for the next couple of weeks, I just want to encourage us to live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. Amen. Maybe I'm not in a Pentecostal church, but, but maybe we'll get there before the night's over, amen. So... 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you don't have to stand, you can stay, sit, you can stay sit, s- seated. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my tang tangled a lot tonight, so, so, so hopefully I'll work through that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, I only want to read the first verse as we start, amen. This is the, the Apostle Paul speaking, as we all know. As for other matters, he says, brothers and sisters... We instructed you how to live in order to please God. So he's saying, we've already told you, we've already been discipling you, we've already been doing this. As in fact, you're already doing this, he says. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Do this more and more. So the Apostle Paul is teaching a Bible study, a practical Bible study. He's he's taught a lot on the deep things, theological things, doctrine, because that matters and that's important. And then he begins to get into some lifestyle issues, and he gets, he gets into a lot of things, I mean, that we don't have time to go into tonight, but hopefully next week we'll be able to touch on some of those, amen. But he says, he says we've instructed you how to live in order to please God. And then he said, keep on doing this more and more. So when you think you've done enough to please God, what Paul is saying, you might, you may have pleased God, but you can not stop. You can't stop because you've dressed a certain way, or you lived a certain way, or you you quit lusting after other things or other people, or you stopped uh, uh, envying people, and the Lord has begun to work in your heart, and your desires are beginning to change. Amen. We still struggle, but our desires are slowly changing because the old man is dying out. The flesh is dying out to the spirit in that battle that Paul talks about that is daily. And then he says, keep on doing what you're doing. Don't stop. And I think In 2018, in the culture in which we live, it's important for the people of God to not stop living a consecrated life unto the Lord. Wow, it's a Wednesday night. These are the people that love the Lord. It's important that we keep on living a holy lifestyle. It's very important that we consecrate our hearts to God. I want my heart to be consecrated. Newsflash, newsflash, um, Christians should always live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. Maybe you've forgotten, maybe you failed because I've forgotten at times and I have failed at times and I think we all have. But it's important 
for Christians to live a life pleasing unto the Lord. Amen. I want my life to be pleasing unto Him. However, Christians, just because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, just because God's Spirit is living within us, it does not mean that we have lost our sinful nature because we are still humans. We are still sinful people. That's why the blood of Jesus Christ needs to be applied to our life, not just once, but sometimes, most times for me, a daily basis or a more than daily basis because I have a sinful nature. The sinful nature still produces desires for me to commit sins. Maybe you've gotten past this. Uh, hopefully, one, pray for me that one day I'll get past it. But the Lord is still working on me. I've still got some, I've still got some crooked edges. I've still got some weaknesses uh, that I need the Lord to help me with. So whether we've been serving God for 50 years uh, or just a few days, we need to recognize uh, that we as believers still struggle with sinful desires. We still struggle. With sinful desires. I think it's safe to say that I'm probably the youngest one in the room at the moment, amen, and, I'm, and, and I struggle with sinful desires, but also my grandfather, a minister of the gospel for years and years and years and years, Brother Patrick Popsy, still struggles with sinful desires because we have a thing called flesh. I wish we didn't have to struggle with it, but the reality is, is people are people, and because people are people, people act like people. People act like people. People act sinful at times amen but here's a little secret the people who have learned to not give in to the sinful nature or the sinful desires uh, that they have at times are the same people who check this out so the people who have realized they can overcome sin and keep on overcoming sin on a daily basis are the people who are faithful in prayer they are the people who are faithful in studying their bible they are the people who live and fellowship with other believers in small groups uh, in big church services uh, or just going out to eat or spending time with family or like-minded people. It's not because uh, we only need to be around believers. No, how can we reach the unbeliever if we are if we are completely isolated from if we uh, if we're completely isolated from them, but we must recognize it's going to take other believers and the power of God's spirit continually at work in our life uh, to help us overcome sin so that we can be an effective witness to the unbelievers. If I am not in communication with, with my Heavenly Father on a daily basis as I, am, as I am in communication with unbelievers, it won't be very long before my Christian lingo goes out the window and my Christian lifestyle goes out the window and I will live the life and speak the language of an unbeliever. It doesn't mean that I'm not, it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. I can still be a, a good person in sin. I can still be a nice person in sin. I, I, can still, I can still know the difference between right and wrong in sin, but uh, there is a difference between knowing the difference between a right and wrong and then living a lifestyle that is pleasing unto the Lord. And as for me and my house, uh, we are going to serve the Lord. It might not be easy. It might be difficult. But I'm going to do my best to raise my three babies in an atmosphere and create an atmosphere that cultivates them having a hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
And it's not easy, as we all know, but it takes us faithfully praying, faithful communication with God, faithfully studying our Bible, getting in to the Word of God, leaning in. If, that's a, if you have a Bible, if you like to study with a physical Bible, study that way. So Some of you read the Bible on your phone. Some of you listen to the Bible on your phone. However you consume God's Word, consume God's Word, but don't just read it in a book or on a screen or listen to it just for listening and reading sake and seeing sake, but read it, listen to it, uh, digest it so that you can be a better person. I didn't get saved so I can make others better. I got saved because I needed to be better. I don't need to know God's word so I can help other people get better. I need to know God's word so I can be better. I need to be better. And when I get better, I get holy or I become sanctified. Amen. So I want to talk to you tonight about holiness, but I want to use a word called sanctification. We don't hear it a lot. We don't say it a lot, but it is an important thing that we must be. You will never learn the principles of living for God and pleasing God without learning his word. And I think we need to dive into God's word more than we have ever dove into his word before. And can somebody just shake their head at me? Just, just, just a good old powerful head nod. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's read verses 3 through 6 now. So the Apostle Paul in verse 1 said, How to live in order to please God. Keep on doing that more and more. And then... Verse number three, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. And this is what sanctification looks like, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this manner no one should wrong should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister, and that in this manner no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother or sister, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. So he touches on sexual sin. He, he, he touched on lust. Now, I don't believe he's just speaking here about sexual lust, but we can all envy and want something that's not ours, something that doesn't belong to us. Uh, yes, this is a sexual, yes, this, uh, this applies to our sexuality, but I also believe that it applies in many other areas of our life. So in these three verses, the Apostle Paul covers a Basically, every ground of sin, really quickly, in just a nutshell, we can dive a lot deeper, and he does expand a lot more on this. Uh, but then he says, uh, wait, it's not, just, it, it, it's not just sexual sins. It's not just sins that you commit by yourself. But, but I want you to know it's important that you not take advantage of your brother or your sister. Church family, we are better together. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And when I am in proper relationship with God, it is a byproduct that I have healthy relationships with you. And when me and you have a healthy relationship, uh, it's really hard for us to get crossways. We might have some problems. I might make a mistake. I might do you wrong. You might make a mistake. You might do me wrong. But it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that allows us to forgive each other and allows us to move forward. I think it's important that we learn how to forgive people. 
we are blessed and we accept the forgiveness of the Father. We accept God's forgiveness. We're thankful for the work of Calvary. We're thankful for what he did for us. But if we're going to accept that forgiveness, uh, we ought to, it, it, it would do us really good to extend forgiveness to others. But also to forgive others who have hurt us. Not just the people who we hurt, but the people who hurt us. Amen. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And I'm nowhere near as intelligent, spiritual, or whatever you want to call it as the Apostle Paul. But I want to use his words tonight and tell Conroe United Pentecostal Church and our guest here tonight that it is God's will that we should be sanctified. It's God's will that we should be set apart. It's God's will that we should be holy. It's God's will for us to live our life like he paid the ultimate price for our life. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the use it was intended for or by the designer. I said earlier today that if I have a pen in my hand and I use it, if I write a love note to my wife or I sign a check, uh, or who signs checks anymore? I don't even have a checkbook. It's causing a lot of problems right now because we're trying to build a house. And so I, I, so I had to order checks for the first time in 10 or 15 years. And so um, I, I'm having to go old school on some things. Or if I'm having to sign a document or if I'm having to do something and I use that pen, I'm using that pen for which it was created or designed to do. Therefore, that pen is sanctified. That pen is not holy. I'm not holy, but the word, the old word that we would use is the pen is sanctified. It's, it's used for its intended purpose. Uh, but if we apply that to the spiritual realm, like we read about in the Bible, for me to be sanctified means that God is using me for the design purpose in which he created me to be used for. I am set apart for only his will in my life. I'm set apart. That means I don't go to the places that I want to go to sometimes. That, that means I don't say the words that I want to say sometimes. And somebody say, amen, driving in Houston traffic. I, I, don't, I, I don't think the thoughts that I want to think or, or that I used to think. I, I don't do that anymore. Why? Because I am set apart. I, I am holy. That's what holiness means. We are set apart. Sanctification and holiness. I am set apart for the cause of Christ in my life. Uh, Pastor preached a beautiful message last week. I'm really, I'm piggybacking off of it. Uh, 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 tonight isn't part one. Really, tonight is part two of Pastor's message last week. I can't carry the cross some places, uh, and if the cross can't go in some atmospheres, that means I can't go in some atmospheres. If the Spirit can't be in me, and me have a, a particular mindset or ideology about something or, or someone, then I better change my mindset and my ideology because I don't want to go where God's presence can't go. Yes, He is omnipresent. Yes, He is everywhere all the time. Yes, He, yes, he is omniscient. Yes, He is all-powerful. He is all-seeing. He is all-knowing. But just because He is everywhere does not mean I have to go everywhere. Because I am not powerful like He is powerful. I have a sinful nature unlike a righteous God. And his presence can permeate an unrighteous place and he still be God. But my presence cannot permeate an unrighteous place. I can't go into a bar 
I can't do that. Uh, I can't dress a certain way. Why? Because it changes the way that I think and it places more attention on self uh, than it does on God. And if I place more attention on self uh, than I do on God, I make a God out of myself uh, and there shall be no God before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me is what the Ten Commandments said. That's why it's important, church family. That's why it's important that we listen and we be sensitive to the voice of the Lord when he speaks to our life. We don't do a lot of holiness preaching. We don't do a lot of dress code preaching. We don't do that, as a matter of fact. If that's a criticism of our church, it's that we don't do a lot of that preaching. But we firmly believe that if we can get you talking to God, that you will, after you talk to God, you'll listen to God. And God will begin to speak things to your life. And you will change all by yourself. His spirit will cause your desires to change. His spirit in you will cause the things you used to drink. I don't want to drink that anymore. The things you used to wear. I don't want to wear that anymore. The places you used to go. I don't want to go there anymore. Not because of a church. Not because I. Not, not because a church I go to has Pentecostal on the sign. But because of the God that I worship has His spirit inside of me. And whatsoever things are pure, and whatsoever things are holy, and whatsoever things are of good report. Let if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, let me think on these things. Let me speak on these things or let me go or not go to those places. And the church said amen tonight. I've got to hurry or this two-week series is going to be a four-week series. The Greek word for sanctification is holiness. You can go back to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, or high and lifted up is what the King James says, uh, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, or angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, uh, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings did they fly. And they were calling one to another. They were singing together, essentially, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. For the earth is full of his glory. And today, the earth is still full of his glory. And today, those angels are still, they are still covering their face. They're still covering their feet. They are still in all of the presence in which they were designed to dwell in. And they are singing, holy, holy Holy. At the sound of their voices, Isaiah said, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, the prophet said. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined or I am clean. I, I am unclean. I am undone. For I am unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King God Almighty. Let me just tell you tonight that there was one God. We can read Isaiah, and it tells us that in Isaiah 53. You can go to the Old Testament, but you can also go right here to Isaiah chapter 6. And he saw one throne. Isaiah saw one throne. There was one God. There was one faith. There was one baptism. And we ought to be thankful for that. And we can never have a proper definition and we can never live a true sanctified or holy lifestyle without the proper revelation of the oneness of the Godhead. Because how, how, how can I divide my holiness between three separate entities? I cannot. I can be holy to one God. 
because one God died for my sins. God is distinct. God is distinct. Above him were angels covering their faces and their bodies singing. There was no God like our God, church family. If this was a Sunday night, I'd be hooping and hollering about this, trying to make us go berserk. There is no God like our God. There is nobody else who has angels with voices so boisterous that the heavens shake and the earth shake and declare of his goodness. God is distinct. There's nobody like him. Won't ever be anybody like him. And there's never been anybody like him before. Our God is sovereign. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He sets up kingdoms and he tears down kingdoms. Oh. No human or thing shares the holiness of God's nature. Nobody is holy like my God. Nobody compares to Jesus. God is so holy that the angels in heaven have to cover their face. They cannot even look on his countenance because if they were to do that, it would destroy them. Why do you think Isaiah immediately began to say, oh my goodness, whoa, whoa, who am I? I am a man of unclean lips. He was the prophet. He, he was the man of God to the people of God for that time period of humanity on this earth. And he could not even endure the presence and the glory and the holiness of God. We serve a great God, church family. Don't you ever doubt that this God we serve is not able to get you out of any situation. Don't you ever doubt that he is not holy enough or, or pure enough or, or real enough to come down in the depths of our situations and pick us up out of the miry sin of clay. For it was the prophet Isaiah who prophesied the soon coming king. And he was right in his prophecies. And I'm thankful that his prophecies paved the way. Amen. They Show us the pathway of the sovereignty of God, that he is Redeemer. He is Alpha and Omega. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us in the middle of our fire, in the middle of our fury. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. In the middle of our sickness, he is Emmanuel. He is with me. That's why the three Hebrew children were thrown in the fire. And it wasn't very long before Nebuchadnezzar saw, well, there is is a fourth man in that fire. Why was there a fourth man in that fire? Because not only in the New Testament was he Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, robed in flesh, but in the Old Testament, he was Emmanuel, God robed in flesh, God with us. And in 2018, because his Holy Spirit lives in me, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. Can you give him praise tonight for being a very present help? in time of trouble. He is with me. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I've got those Brother Leva goosebumps right now. I've got goosebumps on top of goosebumps. When you start talking about the holiness of God, things begin to change in your life. Because when we acknowledge the holiness of God, we acknowledge the lack of uh, 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 the of uh, 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 our, our inability, let me say it that way, our inability to do right and choose right from wrong, but it is only by his sovereignty that allows us uh, to choose right from wrong. And why do we have that ability? Because we have a spirit living in us. I cannot be holy all by myself. 
Because if I could be holy by myself, I could pay for my own salvation. And then like the Apostle Paul said, and I spoke about a few minutes ago, then I could get a big chest, I can get a big head, and I can begin to boast of my own greatness. Uh, that's the reason why I have the flaws that I have, and you have the flaws that you have, and I've made the mistakes that I've made, and you've made the mistakes uh, that you've made, because God wants us to recognize that we cannot make it uh, by ourselves. Uh, it is only by the hand of God that we are here today. It is only by the faithful, 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 Faithful hand of God. Oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. The angels saying, Holy, holy, holy. Let me get back on track. I got 13 minutes. There will never be a throne in which we sit on, but there is a throne in which God sits on. There will never be a choir of angels with six wings singing of your goodness or my goodness. Uh, yet there are thousands and thousands and millions and millions. Uh, and yeah, I say hundreds of millions of angels uh, singing his praises. And let me say that there could be more angels, but some of them got puffed up. They got pride because of they thought they had their own ability. We heard a great message about this a few days ago from Brother Stevenson. Amen. That's why it's important for us to recognize we can't make it without God, and I'll never be holy by myself, but through the gift of the Holy Ghost or the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, there is a pathway for me to be in proper communion in relationship with Jesus Christ. There will never be a choir of angels singing around me. No one will ever tremble and run out of my presence or out of your presence like Isaiah had to tremble and run out of the presence of a holy God. There was nobody like this God, church family. We do not have a holy nature. I think we're finally getting back on track now. The Holy Ghost uh, tried to mess a good message up, amen. I'm just playing, I'm just playing. We do not have a holy nature by ourselves. yet we are commanded to live a holy lifestyle. Isn't that confusing? I'll be honest with you, still to this day, as I dive deeper and deeper into God's word and I understand more and more of God's word, there are still times when confusion attacks my carnal mind. And I don't understand how can a holy God want an unholy man like me to be holy? Even though I understand the power of the blood of the cross and the resurrection and all of that, it still blows my mind away and it still confuses me. And the, and the devil tries to do that to us. But how... Do unholy people live holy? 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says this. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Everybody say all you do. Not some of what you do, not half of what you do, not pick and choose what you're holy at, but be holy in all you do. For it is written, be ye holy because I am. I'm holy. He is holy. And a holy God demands holy praise and holy worship and holy devotion and holy living separate, separate from what the old man used to do. So how, how, how do we as unholy beings follow the commandments of Scripture, and live a life of holiness, knowing that I will never be holy. I will never achieve holiness. I will never achieve righteousness. 
It is a constant pursuit in which humanity will always be in until we get to heaven. How? Because we have been sanctified through the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have been sanctified. That is our only hope, is God living inside of us. That's the only hope we have, church family, is God living inside of us. And God living inside of us changes us. It changes how I think. It changes how I talk. It changes how I interact and communicate with people. It changes me. We sing all the time. We talk about it. We pray about it. When we're going through a hard time, God changes things. Yes, God changes things, and I'm thankful for that. But you better not ever get it twisted. What I am most thankful for is that God changes me, that he changed me, and that he's still working on me. I, I, I'm never, 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 I never want to get to the place where I'm, where, where, where I live a mundane life and just think that he's done working on me because he's not. Romans chapter 15, verses 15 through 16, I'm almost done. Yet, as Apostle Paul, again, yet I have written you quite boldly, quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. In other words, Paul said, look, I'm trying to disciple you. I'm trying to teach Monday night Bible study to you. I'm trying, I'm trying to teach Wednesday night Bible study to you. I'm trying to do all these things. And, 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 and you're making some improvements, but you still got some areas where you need to improve. Or you still got some areas where the Spirit needs to correct you. And so let me come to you one more time. And he says, because of the grace that God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to you, the Gentiles... Not the Jews, but remember after Acts 2, the Gentiles now could be in communication and covenant with God and saved and sanctified thanks to the work of Calvary. He said, look, I'm a minister not only to the Jews, but I'm a minister to the Gentiles. And he gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that you, the Gentiles, or me and you in this room tonight, uh, might become an offering that's acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. How will you ever become acceptable to God unless you be sanctified to the Holy Spirit is what the Apostle Paul was saying. And, I, and, and this is just coming to me now. I didn't think about this in my time of preparation. But it said Gentiles might become. Not that we will become, but that you have the opportunity to become sanctified by the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's why I don't ever want to reject this presence, church family. I don't ever want to reject the opportunity to be in his presence. Uh, not just a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a Wednesday night, or a Monday night prayer, or Monday night Bible study. I'm talking about his presence that could invade your car ride to work tomorrow morning. I, I never want to have the radio up too loud to where his presence uh, can't saturate and invade my life uh, so that I might be saved. I might be saved. Whether or not we are saved is solely up to if we surrender our life to our sinful nature. Say, I'm done with you. I'm sorry. That's the beautiful thing about repentance. Uh, Lord, I'm sorry. I turn my life around. I surrender. I surrender to you, God. I, I, I'm done. I'm done trying to do it by myself. I, I'm going a new path. That's, that's how we become sanctified, is dying to the old man. Focus for a moment on this one fact. Sanct sanctification is the goal of Paul's entire ministry. 
That's all he was trying to do. As he was trying to preach as an unholy man who was pursuing holiness or an unrighteous man now pursuing righteousness, uh, leading other unrighteous people to righteousness. That's Read the epistles in their entirety. It is all about people who were not, who were once sinners, uh, who had now become saved uh, under the new covenant of grace thanks to the work of Calvary. And now he was trying to keep them saved by the work uh, of discipleship. He was a disciple and he was making disciples of others. And that was the purpose of his entire ministry. Number one, he pictured himself as a priest in these verses that we just read. Number two, his ministry as a priest is to preach the gospel because that's what priests do. Number three, the offerings he brings to God as a priest are Gentiles. So he brings these offerings to God. Look, Lord, these are your children. These, these are the things that you created that have wandered far from you. But through your spirit. I being a priest, I being a mouthpiece of your goodness, of your mercy, and of your grace, thanks to the work of Calvary, I have shared with them the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of you so that now they can too die to the old man, be buried with you in baptism, and be resurrected as a new man and live in relationship and covenant with you. I give them to you. I give this to you. And these Gentiles are acceptable because they are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ sanctification 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 look at your neighbor and say sanctification sanctification here's Paul's mission it's not merely to make converts Paul's mission was to make disciples he didn't want people to just get saved and never move along in their journey. He wanted people to get saved and year two look different than year one. And year three look different than year two. And year four look different than year three. On a continual journey to sanctification and holiness. Turning their back to sins and the things of this world. Stand with me. Amen. We're fixing to baptize. We're fixing to baptize Sister Anna. They can go ahead and get prepared for her as we finish up here. Paul's mission is not merely to make converts. Paul is aiming to help people become sanctified. He's trying to help people not be better than other people. He's trying to help people be better than themselves. Paul knows, he knew that he couldn't sanctify people. Paul knew that he couldn't sanctify all the churches that he was leading and all the churches that he had started and all the letters that he was writing. He knew that his letters couldn't sanctify people. He knew that. He knew that. But he knew a God who could change their life. And in 2018, we have a pastor who cannot save us. We have a pastor who cannot sanctify us or make us holy. But we have a pastor who can preach, thus saith the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord can make us holy. That is why by the foolishness of preaching men are saved. It's not the preaching that saves them. It's the gospel that is shared through the preaching that saves us. That's why we need a preacher. That's why we need a church. That's why it's important that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Because we got to be saved. Look at your neighbor and say, i got to be saved. And so we come full circle. We are not saved by our works. We are not saved by our works, lest any man should boast. But we are saved by the blood of the Lamb. We are only sanctified or holy. That's what we say today. We are only holy because His Spirit lives in us. Church family, I want to be holy. 
I don't want to live according to a list of rules, according to a church or a man. I want my life to line up to God's word. Let me get the measuring stick of God's word and let me line it up to my life. What does the word of God say about marriage? Let my marriage reflect that. What does the word of God say about how men and women should dress? I, I want to reflect that. What does the word of God say about how I treat you as my brother or how my sister? Let my life reflect that. Church family, it's still right to do what's right. And I know I'm a young guy preaching an old-fashioned sermon. And there's a lot of other people that could do it a lot better. But it's still right to live according to God's word. God's spirit at work in our life is the only possible is, it's only possible by the washing away of our sins. That's the only way that we can be made holy. Is we have to die to the old man. That's why I rejoice tonight over Sister Anna Benfield getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They told me her age and I almost started crying. I'm not going to say it tonight because I don't want y'all to know how young she is. But I'm thankful that no matter where we are at in life, we have not reached the end of God's grace. Whether we be young, whether we be old, whether we have committed small sins or whether we have committed great sins. They are sin, sin is sin, is sin is sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ can wash it away. The blood of Jesus Christ still washes away our sins. This, this is what Paul did. He did the Paul. He, he did the he, he did the following things, and that's what I've intended to do tonight, and I will do next week. Paul taught the people to know God. That's why we paused and talked about what the prophet Isaiah said, because we've got to know doctrine. Doctrine matters, church family. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There is only but one God. There's one Lord. There's one faith. Baptism in the name of Jesus. By water submerged in water not just get a little wet you got to go down you got to be buried in his name doctrine matters church family paul taught people to practice holiness because being set apart to god is important that's the second thing he did the third thing he did he showed new believers he he, he wanted new believers to see their life and see what god's plan for their life was and let them make a decision, how will I close the gap? You can come up, sister. I know there's a lot happening behind me. And then the fourth thing Paul did is he warned people of the coming judgment of Jesus Christ. Church family, the Lord is coming back again. And when he comes back, I pray that I am judged favorably. I pray that I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Are we ready? Are you ready to see something beautiful, church family? That's why. That's why, Sister Hannah Benfield, upon the profession of your faith, we now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all of your sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Come on, church family, give him praise. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the redemptive work of Calvary. 
Come on, church family, let's pray and believe that Sister Anna can get the Holy Ghost right now. Her sins have been buried. Her sins have been erased. And now I believe the Lord wants to fill her with the gift of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's create an atmosphere in this moment, church family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church family. Let's just lift our hands and thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that's been applied to my life. Thank you, Lord, for renewing me, oh God. Thank you for restoring me, God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is what it's all about, church family. Souls being born again. Thank you, Jesus. 